Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, Nick and I sit down with Kelly Hawks. And if you're not familiar with Kelly and you're a real estate investor, you should be. Kelly has more knowledge and experience with the Tenant Act in Ontario and the Landlord Tenant Board than anyone we've ever met. She is absolutely fantastic. And today we cover one of the most popular topics right now, and it's how to deal with investment properties when you're buying and selling them, how you properly notify tenants, and the whole process in that can be rather complicated. I, I, maybe I shouldn't say complicated. It could cause a lot of grief for everyone if you don't follow the right steps. So we go through that and we cover a bunch of other situations that have recently come up on some of the properties that we are dealing with. And we go through all of that with Kelly. She has a big announcement about her own firm that she can share during this episode. And listen, if you are listening to this and you're not a Rockstar Inner Circle member yet and you live in the greater Toronto Golden Horseshoe area, what the heck are you doing? You can find out every Everything we do in the Rockstar Inner Circle membership by visiting this URL. It's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. And included with the monthly newsletter that goes out exclusively to Rockstar Inner Circle members where we share stories of other investors, there's a whole list of classes that we have listed on that website. And right now, I think we're at like 18 or 20 classes. There's educational tours, accounting classes on maximizing your tax planning and using corporations from two different accountants. One is Andrew Topping and one is Cherry Chan. We have a joint venture class, a student rental class, an apartment building class. Kelly Hawks teaches a Know Your Landlord Rights class. We have a legal second suite and garden suites class, a property management class, invest like a developer, infill land development, life insurance and estate planning and more. So Rockstar members are getting access to all of this, including that monthly newsletter. We do live broadcasts exclusively to Rockstar Inner Circle members as an open Q&A. So there's lots of wonderful things happening to Rockstar members, including the personalized coaching that you get here from the team. So if you want to figure out what this membership is about and you've heard about it and you're not really sure if it's right for you, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member and get all the details. That's enough with the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are we are live. We are live with Kelly Hawks and Nicholas Karadza, and we were just saying no middle name today. Nicholas Alexander Karadza. I just I just don't know why what what just what it determines like whether or not emperor's name. See, that's oh, what I was shit. trying to tell him. Really I try it's like royalty, it's like you know. Emperor. Yeah. What's your middle name? Tomislav Mio Karadza. Oh, Mio. I don't know. Too. I don't. I think Mio is more like a a poor farmer. I don't think it's like royalty, Kelly. I, I think know. I'm like so a poor farmer name. Tomislav's a king in Croatia, but Mio. Yeah, poor farmer. Anyway, Kelly's here. And uh, the reason that we're excited that Kelly's here is because Kelly actually knows what she's talking about. So we always get brilliant information from Kelly. So Instead of us saying, I, I think yeah. it's this, but we got to ask Kelly. Yeah, we'll check, with, <laughs> we'll check with Kelly and get back to you on that. So I just want to dive in because you have some updates to how you're working and stuff too that we want to cover. I do, yeah. But it's let's, pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's talk about it first then. So what's going sure. on in Kelly Hawk's world? Yeah, okay. So I'm um, happy to announce that my firm is growing and I've actually merged firms with a long-term colleague of mine. His name is Francisco Gomez and the new name of my firm is Hawks and Gomez Paralegal Services. Wow. Yeah. I noticed your name's first in the, in the name there. <laughs> it just seemed was to flow better. Oh, really? Is that what it was? Choice. It just seemed yeah, it was, to flow oh, better. Oh, okay. So you guys just liked, liked how it sounded. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll go with that, Kelly. I'll go with that. <laughs> well, I we, I get that question. about my idea. And I get that question about Tom and Nick, too. They're like, oh, so why'd you go with Tom and Nick? I don't know. Didn't even think no, about Nick it, and, and I don't care. Nick and Tom is fine, but when, I, when I'm signing off an email, if I'm writing it, I always just put my first name oh, first. Yeah. I'm like... Because I wrote it, so it was yeah. like Tom and Nick. And then yeah. if you were writing something, I think you were writing Tom and Nick too. So maybe you're just a nicer person than me. Yeah, it just really doesn't. There was no, there was never an ego play. I don't on your side. There was never an ego play, and I just never cared no, either. It just, just, just like you, like it just that. whatever works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after a while, that becomes normal. So then you know, if a year from now if you say Hawks and Gomez for a year, and then you go to Gomez and Hawks, it's just like, well, that just doesn't sound so right because you're so used to it, right? Yeah. So yeah. what does this mean? You have more throughput. You're able to handle more stuff. You're growing. Yep. 
Yeah. Um, he's always been acting as a support for me for, gosh, I think the last seven years, like behind the scenes. So to bring him sort of in front of the scenes, it's it's a really exciting time for both of us because we built a long-term, very trusting colleague uh, relationship. Um, he also focuses on the same areas that I do. So the harmony works perfectly because we're not like conflicting or, you know, we're able to assist each other with things that are going and on. And how do you describe inside. your focus? My focus is mainly landlord tenant and small claims court. Uh, and small what small claims now? Is it still was it twenty five thousand? It's thirty five. Thirty five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Inflation. It's <laughs> right. Wasn't it like ten thousand? At no? one point, um, yeah, it yeah. was at ten. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Though. Oh, really? Okay. They were hoping it would be fifty, but it hasn't hit that number yet. But thirty five thousand covers a decent amount. I think it covers of things a lot now, of stuff. You know? It yeah. does. I find yeah. we find we get a lot of like reno cases. Um, yeah, it's just like it's it's a court that recovers money for parties, so it's all about recovery of of money, anything that's up to thirty five thousand. And what? how how is small claims court busy? Like, are we through the COVID era backlog or no? They're still working through the backlog. Um, all of the hearings are still being done online, which actually is really good for me because I have clients all over the province. So um, I used to have agents attend in those areas when I couldn't get to like Sudbury or. Timmins or something like that, but I'm able to um, go to a hearing for a client in Brampton and then also one in Timmins on the same day because they're at different times and they're all done still online. I really like that part of it. That seems to be really good. I mean, there's some challenges with us um, submitting disclosure if it's a lot of, of materials. Um, they can't, like their systems on the other end can't really accept a lot, so you have to send it in smaller amounts. Those challenges, I mean, other than that, it's been really good that way with having the hearings online and small claims is doing them that way too. You'd think from the tenant perspective, it's better for them as well because a lot of them, you know, to miss work and things like that to go there, it's easier to do it remotely. Yeah, so uh, some of the tenants are in different circumstances where they may not have the ability to have access to a phone or um a laptop to be able to log in so a lot of the legal clinics are offering them the ability to go there and then I think there's a few locations of the landlord tenant board offices that are open that they can book the time to use their um, okay. computer services or access so that they can provide access to them too so it's mixed but I do bit. agree on the most part a lot of them prefer to call in from their living room or even from their car wherever they are rather than having to go wait all day at a hearing location so it is. It does have its its bonuses. Yeah. I'm just too. wondering. Do you think that it's going to stick around? Like, is there any talk about? Because I'm sure they've left it right now. The the logic is to try to work through the backlog because it's it's more that you can get through it a little bit more quickly. Is there any talk that this is going to be a more permanent change to allow these things remote, like virtually? I wish I could say there was, but they they're really keeping that close. I don't really know what they've decided yet. I mean, they've had some significant challenges with working through the uh, backlog. Um, so I don't think they've had a true run of what it could be. Um, I think they've also injected a lot of money into utilizing this platform and to getting training done for things like that. And I, I don't see them wasting it. What platform? Um, is Zoom, the Zoom Pro? Yeah, but they had to train <laughs> I'm people. Joking, so I'm they, joking. Yeah, so here. The like, government paid for Zoom Pro level. Right. <laughs> and it reinvented the entire court <laughs> system. Is, oh, that's it, is about true. 20, it is 20 bucks a user. So I mean, yeah. Well, you to know. change the laws too about it, right? It. Like access to justice, um, allowing other people. In. I mean, they've had some things happen that weren't really positive where it got hacked. Um, there yeah, were we heard about those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was in the hearing room when I, I guess it happened in like four different hearing rooms at the same time. Is that where, where somebody started playing like pornography videos or something? No yeah, way. It wasn't so, videos. It was oh. photos. Oh, they just started putting up photos? I Under shouldn't people's laugh. names. No, it was really bad. Oh, oh shit. Photos of people's names? Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't realize they that. They had access to like put something on random people's names that were in the Zoom meeting. So as you were speaking, it was like this pornographic picture that was coming up. I, I swear I yeah. must be a child because I just laugh when I, I just, I shouldn't. Oh, that's so wrong. Or just like <laughs> bad words and things like that. Right. And, and then you guys tried to continue with the hearing while that was happening. Well, see what happens now Jeez. is when you go into a hearing room, you go into like a main area where there's moderators and they do all like the attendance and things like that. And then when you're ready to go to your matter or to speak to a mediator, mediator they shoot you into a different hearing room. Um, so this was happening in the main session. 
where everyone was just, they were trying to take attendance. And it's challenging for them because at any given time, there could be 65, 70 matters with multiple people on each oh, one. Geez. So it's, so it's hundreds of people. It's hundreds of people in that, that waiting room. Yeah. So they were trying and, and whoever was doing it, like, and it was happening in like, um, at the same time, what's that word for all at the same Simultaneous? time? That's it. <laughs> Simultaneously? See? Wow. Yeah. In like multiple rooms. So we were all just like, did I just see that? You know, and then it was like some of us reps unmuted and there's something going on. And then I was just like, please don't let it be me. Oh, man. <laughs> but it wasn't. Who, but who's got but. the time? Like, like out of all the things oh, that so you're many go- people have the time, but just out of all the things that you're going to spend your time on in the world, it's like, you know what? I'm going to go into this, to this waiting room for these if, cases and start putting porno pictures you up. You know for what people's though, images, just emojis, right? like, you know, like the shit emoji or just like the rocket ship or fire. And when you spoke, it was like, if I was speaking and a fire emoji came up, I'd probably be happy. I'm like, yeah, I'm bringing the fire. And if someone just <laughs> had emojis popping up, maybe they could have had some fun with it. Maybe they would. <laughs> the judge speaks and there's an emoji of like a serious they person. Did. They did take over the screen of one of the adjudicators too and that was not good but yeah they they locked it down pretty quickly but it was it was pretty intense because we were all like what is happening but what it did was it actually exposed something that um showed that you know they didn't have control over that control over a court setting um but they've made like immediately there were changes now you can't even like change your own name they've locked everything Mm -hmm. down um, so, I mean, it, cool. it was, it was one of those things that happened, but before COVID and when the hearings were in person, they did used to have like tenant activist groups storming the, um, locations and they would have to lock them down. Uh, Toronto was one of the worst ones. Like it was, it was extreme. Oh, so that's so, a, and that I didn't I realize it could be a form of protest that someone did that as well. Yeah. You know? But yeah, so, I mean, look at the end of the day, if something, you know, that instance, or I think there was a few of them, what a handful of them, but if it led to a better system, something good ends up coming out of it. It did. And quite immediately, because with them, I mean, there, there's so much red tape. There's a big board of, of directors. There's all these decisions to be made. And you know what that's like when it has to go through all these different things. Um, I was impressed at how quickly they had reacted and literally was in online the next day and the, the changes were implemented. Wow. Yeah. You know what just hit me on everything that I'm hearing on how the government is acting and froze some bank accounts in Canada? Can you imagine you go to a tenant board situation where somebody had the money to pay for rent? A landlord is taking a tenant to, to, to uh, the court and they say, well, I couldn't pay my rent because the government of Canada froze my bank account. I'm what sure the heck is the adjudicator going to say? I think they would get an extension. They, they would, would yeah. yeah. Yeah, they would for that. I, I would got to think they would get an extension. Yeah. yeah. But then the landlord is not excuse. getting their money. Right. It's a, yeah, like how do you, yeah. sorry, I wanted to, but there's money in my bank account. You can see the balance. That's but one I haven't heard yet. Yeah. You, you know that's coming. That's got to come at some point. Now no? it will. I can't wait to hear how that one's going to be handled. Oh, sorry, we are the ones? Yeah. Because I guess the person there is representing Ontario. The adjudicator is the Ontario court system correct it's a a tribunal so it's a board of directors um who is a tribunal of ontario of ontario it's the social justice tribunals of ontario there's a number of them oh Uh, but there's one so then uh, i don't know somewhere probably over 50 different kinds like there's human rights there's the landlord tenant board there's wsib these all go through the tribunal uh, process rather than through the um, Ontario Court of Justice system. But the wow. adjudicator is, so then the adjudicator is one representative of the tribunal because there's only one adjudicator at the hearing, right? There's one adjudicator at the hearing, but um, in there's there's probably, I don't know how many they have on their list right now, but there's there's probably about 35 or 40 adjudicators, yes. It's but just when you hear tribunal, you think of, th- th- well, I, I think of three people. Oh, like you mean a, like a panel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's one deciding those cases in their room. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't wait to hear that one about the freezing of the accounts and how that's handled. Because then I was just thinking on the flip side, then you would want to hire somebody to unfreeze your accounts, I guess. And then, but you're 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 going against the government to say sorry. Uh, I know I'm yeah. way off. I'm just thinking this through. I'm like, this is just yeah, an utter. You gotta disaster. wait for the. You gotta wait for so the. So many excuses. That one has not come up. Yet. It's oh, coming. You know what? I'll let it's, you know. Yeah. If you does. get that one, I'm we gonna, need to know. We need know. to know. Okay. So I want to go to the scenario that is always the the topic of conversation, and it would be. There's Especially an, now with property prices where they've gone, there's a number of people that have said, oh, I think it's time for me to cash out, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I so, think I know where you guys are going. Yeah. So if someone's buying or selling a property, what is the procedure if, I guess, the scenario A would be if 
you're selling a property with a tenant in it and someone who's buying it is planning to move in. Let's start with that okay. one first. Because yeah. the other one they'll ask you about is if the tenant's staying and the person's buying it to keep the tenant there. Yep. But let's say the person buying it is they're moving into that home as their family home. Yep. What would ha- have to happen for that to work? So first I want to tell you guys that this is a really good topic because I probably get at least one call a day about that. So five a week and sometimes more. Okay. Um, So it is, it is a really, it's a big thing that people aren't sure about how to handle. So let's go with scenario A. You said that they're selling the property and it's tenanted and the purchaser has signed an agreement of purchase and sale and they want to move into the unit for personal use. Correct. Okay. So the first thing you need to do is ensure that um, you get an affidavit from the purchaser, which states that they do, they have signed the agreement of purchase and sale and that they do require the unit for personal use for at least a period of one year. Can okay? I interrupt right there just for a second? Is that done, I, my assumption would be that that would be done after the agreement is firm. So if there was a, a financing or, or inspection condition, which isn't as common right now, but usually you would wait till it's until it's firm because then you can't truly sign the affidavit and serve it until it's a binding agreement. Is that correct? That's a fair question. And maybe I should ask you, how long does that, does that take from the time they sign the agreement of most, purchase and sale? Most common is, is still one. It's a little bit less now, but let's say a week is, is historically that's like the most common time for a typical residential transaction. It would be a one week conditional period. Yes. So in that case, yes, you would definitely want to make sure that it's a firm offer because once that's signed, uh, and the uh, the financing goes through, then it's happening, right? Um, so that's what would trigger the notice that would need to be served to the tenant. And that's the N12 notice. So affidavit first, yeah. after the, the deal is why, firm. The reason why the seller wants to get the affidavit first is because um, if, there's, if there's a bad faith application, meaning that you know, the intention wasn't there um, at the time of serving the tenant the notice. It's the landlord that is exposed to the liability because the tenant would have a year to file an application against a landlord for bad faith. So if you have that affidavit, the landlord or the seller is protecting themselves and knowing that when they serve that notice, it was in good faith. Got it. Okay. So it, it lets the owner or the person selling who is the landlord kind of, they're in the clear. They have this affidavit that they've requested from the buyer after the deal's firm to -hmm. say, yes, we are in fact buying this to move in for at least one year. Right. And then is that new that for at least one year part? Um, so remember when we talked about the changes with the bill? Yeah. Yeah. So that's all part of that. Okay. Bill 184. Yeah. So they were, they made all these changes to what that process was going to look like. Um, the compensation that's paid to the tenant, um, and also the requirements when filing the, the next step, which would be the application to the board to get the ten, uh, termination of the tenancy after you've served that. They've made a lot of changes to that so too. The, so the, you serve the N12. Yep. And then after the N12 is what you just mentioned? Yeah. Which so is, then that would be filing that? the L2 application. And that can't be done just on its own with the N12. The, the, the property owner or the seller also has to provide an affidavit because remember we talked about the changes that they made where um, if you've served that notice to any tenant of any of your properties in the last two years, you have to disclose that. So your affidavit has to say, I've served this N12 to this tenant at this property um, because I've entered into an agreement of purchase and sale and I have or I have not served any other tenant in the last two years. If you have, you have to disclose what they are, who they are and what properties and why. Why, why are we having to do that? Because remember when we talked about how landlords, some landlords were using that notice just to get the tenants to vacate the property? Yeah. Well, they're, they've really come down on the criteria and the disclosure and also the penalties on landlords doing that unless it's in good faith. Yeah, because some people were doing it in bad faith, saying it was in good faith, and okay. then they were kicking the tenants out, raising rents a lot, and re-renting it. Mm-hmm. This is, so now they'll look back and they'll be like, well, you've done this three or four times. So now if you have a, a portfolio of properties and you have legitimately sold three or four properties and the sale goes through and the people leave. And you have the affidavits and from you have the, the purchaser. Affidavit. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be a problem. But they're they're looking for the people that were kind of skirting the system before, I think. That it, is I, exactly right. right. Got He's it. got it. I yeah. guess I'm thinking when you had the affidavit, what are you doing? But yeah, this it's is from before. The, that's from the buyer. So yeah. they want to they want to know that it's, you know, okay. everybody's on the same page here and that they can in good conscience, conscience end the tenancy. Now, I actually agree that it's a little bit overkill because... 
if the tenant finds out that that's not what actually happened, they actually have a whole year to file an application against the landlord saying it was in bad faith. Well, and just for privacy reasons, as a landlord, I don't like listing off other properties. Sure, yeah. Like, well, you wouldn't whose do that in your affidavit, that? but you would have to attest. You have to say it in your affidavit. Okay, but you don't uh, have to list off the you addresses. You would have to provide it as testimony at a hearing. You would. Okay. Yeah. At a hearing, you would. Mm -hmm. But when you're doing the affidavit at the, that step, you don't have to list off the addresses of other properties. Uh, no, but you have to disclose that you did uh, serve it to them. Yeah, yes. got it. I could disclose that I did do it to on other, three, to other, other three other tenants, but I don't have to put the property addresses. Um, that's a really, oh, you, you tripped me up on no, that. No, no, that's fine. You, prob think so in, you probably in mine, do. You I pro have done them because I just want there to be no question sure. that they're questioning. I'm just it. thinking for privacy reasons. Why is it anyone else's business knowing other properties that I own? Yeah, but think of how many questions you answer to the government and the banks in your life that is none of their business. I know, but I mean, where does it end? Well, it's, <laughs> it, it, does, what, it doesn't end here. Choose, I guess it's yeah. what you choose okay. to disclose. But I see, I, you if want. you're asked, you're going to have to to disclose it, and you're putting it in the affidavit just so it's clear, it's clean, and it's yeah. done. Okay, so this just to before we move forward, though, there's there's one. So there's one component to this about that I would just add from on the real estate side, not not your side, mm -hmm. but from a seller because we've been in this situation and it ended up in a lawsuit. And the the buyer want in the offer requested vacant possession of the property. And yeah, the this is this is huge for both of us. Yeah. for both sides. Yeah. Okay, so and the seller was like, okay, yeah, no problem. So there was a verbal, there was a verbal um, conversation that said, yeah, like as as long as the yield signed the affidavit, we can we can uh, uh, file the N twelve and and we can start that process. However, that was never put into the purchase and sale agreement. So after the deal was firm and they're like, well, we want vacant possession, they said, no problem, we'll, we'll file the paperwork. Yeah. We need the affidavit signed. The buyer said, well, I can't, I'm not going to sign the affidavit. Like, you know, I might not move in. You have to sign it. And the seller's like, well, no, I can't sign it because that's fraud. Like, I'm not able to, to do this. Well, not only right? is it fraud, but they're not the ones supposed to be signing that affidavit. Yeah, yeah. But they wanted them to, to take care of the entire process of getting Got rid it. of it, like as they were moving mm -hmm. in before closing. Mm -hmm. and, and they couldn't do it. And because it wasn't outlined, so I would say, if anyone's in this situation where the buyer wants vacant possession for the, if you're selling the property to put in the paperwork that they agree that they will complete an affidavit for these purposes, yeah. sustaining what needs to be stated, mm -hmm. you know, they'll be moving in for a year. So you're and all not left stuff. in this jam. So you're not left in this jam because what happened is this, the in this particular case, the buyer decided not to close on the property, mm -hmm. decided to sue for damages. The seller's counter suing and still going through, you know, yeah. these things gets dragged out. That's right. And now they're stuck like this. So it's just like a little thing like that early on can avoid a, a pain oh, in the totally. butt. Right. Very good point. And for my side of things, um, if if I don't have the affidavit from the buyer, I'm then if I'm going ahead and filing the application, potentially I'm not completely protecting my client from potential liability for those reasons mm -hmm. that Nick just said. And so, sorry, right? the second step after the affidavit is the N12. What is the N12 doing? The N-12 is the notice that says uh, your tenant's name, landlord's name, um, your tenancy is ending within the 60 days because I've entered into an agreement of purchase and sale and the purchaser requires it for personal And the use. L-2, the next step is then doing what? That's an application to the board to get a hearing date so that you can present all the evidence and get the board to end the tenancy. Oh my God, I just merged them together. I just thought the N-12 was enough. Filing the L2. Yeah, and the reason why you want to file the L2 is that if you serve the notice, and sometimes this is this works, and it's great that the tenant gets it and says, oh, okay, you know, we've mm -hmm. really loved it here, but we are going to move. But there are those cases where the tenant doesn't vacate, and then the 60 days has come, mm -hmm. and then you're like, well, you have to go, and they haven't gone. So if you haven't filed the L2 right away, then you've put it off for 60 days to try to get a hearing date, because the only way you can get them out is with an order from the board. Board. Yeah, that this, then a sheriff can enforce should yeah. they need to. Okay. And so the other thing, just one sec back to what Nick was saying, is that what I'm what I'm encouraging a lot of um, agents that come to me about this or even clients is just to talk to their agents about adding a clause in because uh, in the past you could get a hearing within six weeks about for this type of reason. Now you can't. Um, so some of them like are, I'm amazed how quickly I, I get dates for others. I've been waiting forever and it's just so random that you can't be certain that you're actually going to be able to guarantee vacant possession by that date. So if you're adding an extra clause in that you're going to be doing as the seller, everything you can to secure vacant possession by that date. And that would be by serving the N12, um, filing the application, getting the hearing date. Um, but 
it, it is a possibility that there needs to be extra room for um, to to like push the the closing. And I don't know from you guys how you would manage that with your clients, but that is what's happening here. No, we can do that when when you, at the time you're doing the the, uh, the transaction and, and coming to terms. To input something like that isn't a big deal. Yeah. It's when it comes to the end, if people have made plans or financing arrangements, because yeah. then there's penalties and, and stuff. But if you do it ahead of time and everyone knows about it, then it's usually not a, like almost a non-issue at all. But you're yeah. right. That's a good point. And that's something that we, we should we'll communicate with our team on a regular basis with these types of things too. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure everyone's looking for that. And now during the period where you guys know no hearings were happening, um, that's when the height of cash for keys came into play because the real estate market was still going sure. through all of that. But none of the hearings were being um, scheduled. So that's when the tenants were really cashing in on the cash for keys mm-hmm. where the What was the seller, most you've seen? Did you see high amounts? Yes. Oh, very how much? high. The highest was 30. 30 grand yeah. to walk away. Mm-hmm. Wow. 30 grand. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. I'd walk away too. I guess you need to find another place to live if it's a family. It's most, a disaster. The average was around 10 um, 10 grand, maybe a little bit less, but wow. there were some that were like, the client was like, just, I need to get rid of it. This mm. is the highest I'm going to get for this property. And they took the hit. Wow. Yeah. But that's not happening as much anymore. And so because this, this process is, the thing, is in because place, the word got out with the tenants and then it was crazy because they were holding you over a barrel because they knew the hearings weren't being scheduled. Well, that's not the case now. The hearings are being scheduled. So it's coming down a lot. It's a mm-hmm. it's way down now. It's looking more like yeah, and we're kind of believers all in- they're entitled to is one month's compensation. So for them, if they can stay for 60 days and they're getting more than the one month, then it's a bonus a win. Right. So anything, okay, so yeah, to recap, get, yeah, so the recap is after the agreement of purchase and sale is firm and you have a firm deal in place, you get an affidavit from the purchaser that they're in fact moving into the house. That request should also be embedded in the agreement of purchase and sale so that you make sure you're getting that yep. affidavit. The next step after that is filing the N12 with the No, ten- it's serving the N12. Serving the N12, yep. sorry, serving the N12 to the tenant, just yep. letting them know, here's the situation, here's the dates you should be aware of, house is being sold. Yep. And then- Do they need did they get a copy of the affidavit or is it just the N12? Uh, when it comes to the hearing, if they haven't vacated the property, it would be part of your disclosure, so they would get a copy of it. Okay, but typically when you serve the N12, does the affidavit go with it? No, no right? Okay. So the N12 is served. After the N12 is served, then you file for an L2, a yeah. hearing at the Landlord-Tenant Board. Yeah to get all of this official, get an order from the tenant board that this tenancy is officially terminating. Yep. Correct? Yeah, because you've satisfied um, all the sections of the act whereby they are then giving you termination of the tenancy so the purchaser can take okay. the property. Is there and during that process, sorry, you're also going to have an affidavit from now the seller That's right. saying if they've ever done this with another tenant yeah. recently within the past year. Two years. Two years within the past two years or not. Yes. That's included with the filing of the L2. Yep. And then, um, as I was saying, the tenant is entitled to one month's compensation. Um, so that has to be paid to them before the termination date on the N12 notice. And that is a 60 day period. So let's say you were serving one today, then the termination date would be April 30th. Um, assuming they pay the rent on the first of the month. Some, some of you people out there have your tenancy starting on the eighth like or the 19th. 10th or the 15th yeah. and it just messes us up. Um, but if it's, if they're paying on the first, then the termination date on the N12 would be April 30th. For, for example, if you were serving it today, tomorrow is March 1st. That's right. So April 30th. So However, if you, if this, if we were doing this in the middle of a month, mm-hmm. then it's, is it, can you end it at the, at the be in the middle of a period or it has to be the end? So is I it love his two questions. Half, it's two and a half months. Honestly, this is a good right? question. Both of you guys. Well, this is what this is what the team's coming and asking it. me. I'm like, ah, I know this yeah. answer, and I just got to remember it. Yeah. So if if you're if you're um, so, serving it on the 15th or the sure. 16th or something, it has to start from the, the next rental period. Yeah. So in, in essence, then if there it was a first day, they would get two and a half months notice, not, That's right. not the 60 days. And the days more the no, the more notice is better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if so there, that's a very um, good question. And what's the difference if they're on a lease, a signed lease that has another year and a half left in it versus month to month? Yeah. So um, if it's for the owner's own personal use, then the notice cannot be used until the last 60 days of the fixed term. Got it. It sounds like you're going to say there's an exception to that or something. 
No, no? Okay. I was just trying to work it out in okay. my mind because then okay. you were asking. I was flipping it. So to the if other there's side. a year and a half le- yep. lease uh, t- term left in the lease, that has to expire. Mm-hmm. But if they're month to month, so the only way you can do what we're talking about is if somebody is not on a signed lease for a period of time. Mm-hmm. It's just if they're on a month to month basis, correct? Mm-hmm. Because if there's 10 months left in the lease, a year and a half left in the lease, that must be honored. It's not your time to sell the property if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Can you do it and and serve these notices with the date, the uh, the, 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 the eviction date or that they would have to leave at the end of the lease? Like, can you just do it six months early? So if there's six months left in the lease, can, can I sell the property, serve these notices? Do a the closing as, of six months? Yeah, or, sure. or, the, or just let the people know they have to assume the tenant for a few months forever. But you can go through this process and just say, okay, your tenant's coming, your tenancy's coming to an end six months from sure. now, here's the notice. It's okay. a minimum 60 days notice. Yeah, so you don't have to wait mm-hmm. till closer to that time. You can give them all the notice at that time, the as long as you've, time. you've abided by the proper rules. And that so then it's, yeah, you just can't do it at the beginning of the tenancy okay so you can't like say you're starting this year and then this is an n12 for next year you can't do that yeah so it's in your benefit not to sign a new lease with a tenant really i know people don't well, want to hear know that why you do okay. i don't know why people do because it automatically I don't either uh, yeah. it automatically goes into a month to month after the first term i mean it's more benefit for the tenant if you re-sign a lease because there are certain notices that can't be served during a fixed term tenancy like the persistent late payment we've talked about that one before too and personal use by the owner so i mean it, in Ontario, the lease is automatically transitioned to a month-to-month after the first term if it's not renewed anyway. I can see so, if we had a major vacancy problem. Maybe you want to try to lock somebody into a lease. But we have no vacancy problems yeah. here. But they can break the lease anyways. They can break the w- lease right. with, with 60 days notice, correct? He's right. They can. Yeah. So with, no, always, with no penalty. Oh, no. What, what has to happen? The landlord has to prove that they're advertising the property and that they, they try to fill it and... And not really, uh, the tenant could be liable for any damages, but you would have to chase them. So if you couldn't refill the property for three months, they could be liable for those. But in today's world, if you're actually advertising the property and looking, you're not going to really incur many damages, right? Yeah. So in the past, um, that's the way the law used to work. If they broke the lease, you could go after them for the remainder in using those things that Nick said by proving that you were actively trying to fill the property and that they had breached the terms of the contract. But that's not the way it works now. They only get, uh, they're only responsible to pay up until the day they vacate the property. So even if they leave on like the 21st, the board's not going to issue an order till the end of the month, right? They're going to only give you rent owing up until that 21st day. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So the lease really, and then all the other, um, it's not Landlord Tenant Act. It's, um, I know the proper name for it. Is it Landlord Tenant Act? But anyways, Residential Tenancy. Thank you. That's what yeah. I was looking for. And all those rules still coming are still Applicable. the same, whether it's there it's a lease or month to month. So you're right. There's That's almost right. no benefit. That's really. why I'm always shocked when landlords panic to get a new lease signed. I, I know, it's never. I I've never understood it. Why I do. do I tell. I share the same thing, and no. I'm. They always look at me like I'm crazy. It's but only I'm like to the benefit of the tenant. Yeah. They do not have to resign yeah. a new lease. And you might, I might this sound, comes up in my classes all the time too. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then, then that's it. So we've covered the whole process now. Yeah. So then you go to the hearing and you, you know, um, state your you position. You present the affidavits. Yep. You, you show, you show proof that you've paid the compensation by the date, um, by the 60, you know, the, that's the within, one month's rent compensation. That's right. Okay. Yep. And if you don't pay the compensation, it's so sad to see people Why who, people try not to pay the compensation. No, but oh. what's so sad is that they've waited for their hearing date and they didn't pay the compensation and their application is dismissed. Why the whole, is the court the system like that? Why, why? Or the sale falls through. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. Why and is there a legal system like that? If someone forgot, they don't do this often. Can we just say, hey, within the next 40 hours, make sure you've paid? No. Mm-hmm. What the it. heck? Yeah. What a joke. Anyway, sorry. Okay. And then, the, and then, so, and then. In the circumstances, if they don't leave, then you yeah. just you hire the sheriff and like a typical eviction, and they're asked, they're, they're removed, and that's yep. it, right? So that's to right. hire the sheriff, because many people don't know how to do this, you would take the order. Can I ask you to explain? You yeah, take the sure. order. How do you hire the sheriff? Yeah, you take the order that you get from the landlord tenant board to the small claims court enforcement uh, desk, and you fill out an eviction request form, and you pay their fee. And then you have to give them a copy of the landlord tenant board order, and then the sheriff will schedule an eviction, and they'll contact you and let How you know. How long will it t- take usually right now? Honestly, it's been really good. Pretty quick. Yeah, I'm knocking on your wooden table mm-hmm. because it's been good. I mean, a few weeks. Some of them mm-hmm. are a little longer in the bigger cities, but um, I'd say at most maybe three weeks. 
The downfall of all of this is because of the lack of housing that we have for these people who do buy properties and then you dislocate a family out of a property. For that family to go find something is just such a treacherous adventure right now. Yeah. Like it's horrible. Yeah, it it's is, hor- it's I a find, horror show. Yeah, it is. But what I find is with um, tenants who are cooperating, um, oftentimes I'll suggest, you know, even if they've got a good track record um, with their tenancy, that maybe the agent can help yeah, put them in someone it. else's. So if everyone's on good terms, it will yeah. usually work out. It's, and it's, sometimes yeah. it really does. Yeah. Okay. It's like, oh, this is a great tenant but okay that's the, okay. Other, the, the flip side uh-huh. is you know no what uprooting things and moving is one thing but there's now a lot of just from the investors we're working with we know there's a lot of people doing major renovations creating like new units and maybe it's slightly smaller in a different location or whatever but they might be able to get something that's newer, more updated, something for a similar price point as mm-hmm. well, depending on certain, like if they've been in the unit for 10 years and their rent's much lower, there are those circumstances and, and, and yeah. But there are, there's a, you know, there is the plus side too. It's, it is hard to find units, but there are some good units totally. out there as well. Yeah. That, yeah. That, so it could be an upgrade to some people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And then the, the B situation would be, I guess, a lot simpler when you're selling a property mm-hmm. or, or buying a property with a tenant in there mm-hmm. and the intent is for the tenant to stay. Yeah, super easy. Super easy. Is there any, You're just what, giving them a notice of direction of the date that the property uh, closes so um, they know who to direct the new, like the rent to, to the new owner. And then there's an obligation on the um, new owner to provide them with their contact information, et cetera, et cetera. So, and a notice super of direction simple. isn't an official form. That's literally no. just a little letter you write yep. out. Here's what's going on. Yep. And that's it. Yep. We no sold the hiccups. property. Um, okay. The closing date is this. So your new landlords will be this. And then they will contact you at that time. Okay. The only hiccups I t- tend to see on those kind of situations, if the property's closed on the fifth, rent was collected on the first, the lawyers have to prorate how much rent needs to go from the seller to the buyer sometimes yes. that gets a yep. little and it's, it's pretty straightforward rent. and last month's rent yeah but some lawyers some sometimes like hiccups. just totally forget it but that's not the hardest thing to correct after the fact yeah um so yeah that does come up though so that's a really good thing to bring up because when the property is closing they should be transferring the last month's rent over because the tenant has paid it Sure. So yeah. the purchaser, if they don't have that last month's rent, then it ha- either has to be worked out in the numbers or it has to be documented somewhere because they're going to end up paying interest on a last month's rent uh, that was collected prior to them even owning the property. Got it. Because it's it's the tenant who's entitled to it, and they won't they won't let the tenant go without it. It's going to have to be worked out at the time of the closing. And if the tenant's closing on the fr- uh, pays rent on the first of the month, it's kind of might as well close on like the third of the month because then you get that month's rent prorated back to you. No. If I close on the third of the month and the tenant paid the uh, the previous landlord who I'm buying the property yeah. from on the first, I get a little bit. Yeah, of money it gives you a little bit of credit, like a little bit of yeah. slush fund you can use for mortgage payment or something. Yeah, like that. something. I was thinking about something else. What What about if um, uh, oh man, I lost my train of thought. It was uh, was it about the interest. Uh, I'll come back to it. While that's coming back to Nick, so another situation with oh, sorry, the last the last one's rent. Yeah, so if you have a lease, and and you have last month's rent, but they're going to stay, you keep last month's rent, and they just can even for the last month of the lease, and they they would pay rent at that time, and you just keep last that last month just keeps getting pushed, you know, further and further for the duration of the tenancy. Even if it turns to month to month, yeah, okay, the duration of the tenancy. Okay. And the reason why you don't want to use it on any other month is because the landlord tenant board has no jurisdiction to force the tenant to pay it back. So you're putting yourself in a lost position if they owe you rent and you don't have that last month's rent. Because a lot of tenants will say, well, can't you just use my last month's rent for this month because I can't afford my rent? Well, it's gone. You can't get it back. The tenant board doesn't rule. Right. doesn't have authority to rule there. Mm-hmm. Wow. No, that's a okay. good tip. Yeah. That's yeah. a good. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it makes sense, but it makes sense understanding that that's a situation. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. What about this situation? Comes up a lot in student rentals. Um, uh, one of our investors is going through this right now. Student rental. Group of girls uh, put a deposit with one landlord to move into that house. They find a better house, and um, the deposit that they gave was, I guess, last month's rent. Okay. And they find a better house, and they want to move there. And the um, the tenancy has not started yet. It starts May first. They signed a lease, I think. They signed a lease. I think. I'm trying to think if in this situation they signed a lease. Let's say they okay. signed a lease. We might not even change. I don't even know they, if it matters. They we'll signed see. a lease and they gave last month's rent, but they found a better house and they told the landlord, oh my gosh, we're out. We're moving to this other house instead. And that new landlord's encouraging it because this new landlord wants the tenants. Um, 
Does but they the want their pre- deposit back. But they want their deposit back too, even though they're kind of breaching what they signed and said. Does the previous landlord really have much grounds to stand on? Because I think my advice would probably be just give them their freaking money back. Yeah, that would be my advice. But legally, do yeah, they like have what's to, the legal yeah. answer? That would I be my advice. Here. As a, like a good as a, there's going to be demand for your property as Move a on. good person. Yeah, like, just you know, let it go. You know. The tenant will get the money back. All they have to do is file an application to the board. Oh, they'll get oh, it back. Oh, really? Even if they signed a lease. No yeah, keys the were exchanged. Thing is they so haven't taken possession, though. Yeah, yeah. so the no, no keys were exchanged. Oh. They haven't taken possession. Because the, so. the, the contract was to start when they took possession, right? Yep, May 1st. Mm-hmm. Oh, because no keys and have changed hands, it's really not an enforceable contract. Yeah. So they get their money back. They will. Oh. Yeah, that's not a good thing. Save yourself some heartache. Just yeah, just give them the money back. Yeah. Money back. We always operate like that. Clearly, Please, it, wasn't, it wasn't meant, wasn't meant to, be. to be. What's the form the tenant would have to fill out there? Do you know? It's an application to the board, and it's um, it's a T application that says, I want money that is owed to me. <laughs> okay. I can't remember yeah, the yeah, number. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, my, guys. I don't no, know. No, that's fine. That's I want my money application. No, but there is that's one. Okay. There yeah. is one. And they're going to get it back. Okay, so that answer is that. Okay, so another situation, and this is some of the stuff that my son has been going through kind of on and off, but I think it's good for everyone to know is that their property got broken into so back door smashed in and then bedroom doors uh kicked in um you know someone just ran around trying to do a money grab they weren't there long they vacated what students they're trying to do a money grab yeah yeah london ontario we listen it's happened to our student rentals in hamilton before i think they go for um they know they know computers yeah for sure computers and cash Yeah. yeah and they know during the holiday season a lot of the students are home so you just, sometimes you have blocks of property, yeah. like literally two or three blocks in a row where no yeah. one's living. So you can We've just seen go this multiple oh, times yeah. and there'll be like, you know, eight break-ins on the street. On the, yeah. yeah. And brutal. usually it's not that much damage. It's usually a window broken to yep. get in and then someone runs through the house. But anyway, what is the landlord's responsibility in that situation? So the scenario is uh, exit door has been damaged and is not lockable and bedroom doors that did have locks on them kicked in. Mm-hmm. Um and the locks were put on by the students, not the landlords. But the doors no longer kind of operate well because yeah. they can't click lock because it's been kicked in. What what should um, the tenants expect? What's the landlord's responsibility in that situation? What are the timelines for stuff? Yeah, so obviously it's not the landlord's uh, fault that the property got, in bro- got broken into, but they would have to deal with the police on that specific matter. <clears throat> with respect to uh, the damage that was um, done to the property, it is the landlord's obligation um, to secure the property for the tenants. It is. Okay. And what's um, so a reasonable he, amount of time for that to be fixed? Like ASAP. Okay. Like okay. it should be done within at least a 48 hour period, I would say. Okay. If there's some crazy type of fancy electronic door that needs a part that has to come in, they should do something in the meantime to be able to secure the property. Okay. But they they are obligated and responsible to restoring it to what it was prior to the break-in so that it's secure and um, it has to be functioning. And that, okay, and that one's urgent. And then what about interior doors? Is that the tenant's responsibility? Well, or? in this case, it, it's the landlord's responsibility because um, they had... They were functioning prior to this happening, correct? And now they're not functioning anymore is, is what you're telling me in the scenario. So it is the landlord's obligation to repair. Okay, because something replace. was operational to a certain capacity before mm-hmm. because it was damaged through a burglary. It's the landlord's responsibility to get that to a functioning right. state and again. And his insurance should pay for it anyway. Yeah, I think this, yeah. Yeah, I think well, sometimes they're just dealing with people. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. So that's good to know. And then that, what is the timeline for the interior fix? Like an exterior door, I can understand. Forty-eight hours, it's securing the property. Interior, yep. what's a rough timeline? Yeah. So in this in this um, scenario, there's multiple people who are trying to protect their own privacy within one unit. So I mean. A reasonable period of time would maybe be a week. Oh, wow. Maybe. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Got it. Jeez. Okay. So then. Like if it was a long weekend and nothing was open, maybe you add a few days or if it was over Christmas or something where, um, you know, nothing was open. But in this day and age, everything's open all the time. Like maybe you'd have a couple of days in between. They should be acting on it immediately. Okay. And then um, what happens if a landlord and maybe maybe, you know, this can happen. You can't find contractors because it's so busy. Like it's tough to sometimes find a contractor sure. right now. How long can that be used as a potential excuse? I'm not holding you to not a letter more board. than a week. That's oh, really? crazy. Okay. Yeah. Come on. Okay. 
Okay, and then uh, I like Kelly's getting amped up here. This is yeah. great because I've talked to Kelly about this yeah. offline. Um, okay, so another situation I think for all landlords to be aware of is water. Because especially on older properties, right? Mm -hmm. If cylinder block, there's all kinds of water issues. I always joke that Nick's never bought a property, including his own family <laughs> homes that haven't had like water issues. I don't think so. You have there's got to be one by is that now. Your I don't sign? think so. Are you a water sign? That's yeah. Right. No, no, I'm not. I'm <laughs> no, not. but I, I don't think there's been one. I literally think every single property no. you've ever purchased has had water problems. Yeah. Even really? my current my current house, they, yeah. there was there was how, um, cracks that were injected before we bought it. And then we did a, a basement rental. So we ripped out everything in the basement. Mm -hmm. And I found an, an, another crack that we didn't know about. Had to inject that one. And one of the other ones, because it was behind the wall, we couldn't see it, that had been injected, had been started leaking again. So we had to inject that one a second time. So I literally think like... I forgot you injected everything. something twice. You can do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. you can do Because I think that, that epoxy stuff goes... It, it's not... It's like cement. Yeah. It, like it lasts for a long time. And especially mm -hmm. the stuff they used like years ago when they first started, the stuff they use now is a bit better. But now it's easy. Before you had to dig all the time. Now that epoxy, you just call these guys. They drill holes and they do it. It's, yeah. it's awesome. But yeah, I, I can't. I can't get away from flipping so water. So what's issues. a landlord's responsibility if there's water in a basement? Some pump goes bad or water leaks in, and then, you know, I don't know. What what's the, what is the responsibility? I don't think I know the answer on that one. Yeah. So are you talking about if things are damaged or? I guess just let's start with a, su a sump should... pump doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And water starts backing up into the house. Yeah, so presumably the landlord has some kind of insurance for that because their insurance should cover that. However, um, they should respond immediately to that type of issue. And I've seen that. Like, because you guys know I did property management before this, right? I remember, and I'll, I'll just side story. I remember this one building I was looking after. Someone called me and said, there's a funny noise coming out of the boiler room because it was an old building and it was like 36 units or something like that. And it was in Oakville. Anyway, um, I was like, oh, that's strange. Okay, I'm going to go to the property and check it out. I literally opened the door, and I swear to you, the water Tidal was wave. up over my knees. Oh. It was unreal. And it's amazing what can happen when you're faced with that type of situation because you don't care who you're calling. You get people there no matter what. Like, water's huge, a, a big deal, because it causes all this um, after damage if there's um, if, if it's not fixed immediately like mold and electrical issues and oh my gosh it is a, is it is emergency like fire is not as bad as fire but you should be responding to that immediately okay so that's an urgent one it is okay. um and when i hear that there's like a water issue and somebody doesn't respond immediately or answer they better have a good reason for it like i'm guessing if they were literally away from their phones sure then that's fine, but you should be hearing from them within a 24-hour period. But you also need to be like, if it's a tenant situation where there's students and they don't know how to turn off the water, I mean, it's getting worse and yeah. worse if water's coming in, depending on what type of situation. If it's outside water, it's seeping in. Um, but there's quite a bit sometimes. And if it's like an internal problem with the sump pump overflowing, Unless you shut the water off, that's going to keep yeah. on going. Um, so the landlord would not be responsible, though, for replacing any of the tenant's property. That's where the tenant's insurance would got cover. Got it. So if there was a printer on the floor that got wet and uh, that's, damaged, that's yeah. the tenant's responsibility. It would be Anything under their lying own around. Insurance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I remember, I remember one of our properties. Nick, I'm thinking of an Oakville rental that I was at a hockey tournament and it, it started backing up. And I remember there was hockey games going on and I was outside the arena just walking in circles trying to get a plumber. Get it was people. boxing day. Oh it was boxing day. See, and this is what I say though. You have to have your trades list in place. Yeah, and we were begging right? everyone and some people weren't answering mm -hmm. the phones that we usually call. Yeah. And so we were freaking out. I oh, remember it was these so- always happen at those it, it, Yeah, of course. And I remember oh, one I dad, I'll never forget walking by and I explained what I was dealing with and he just walked away thinking that's why I'll never own rental property. Yeah. And then, I, then it flashed to me because I was in a bad mood. I'm not going to kid you. I think I was missing half my son's game during this. And, and, uh, oh, yeah, but then I, I remember Nick's line of like, if you add up the amount of time by the hour that we've spent dealing with rental property stuff and divide it by the equity buildup and the cash flow, those hours are worth tens of thousands of dollars. Actually, yeah. they just always come yeah. unscheduled and typically on yeah. boxing day. Yeah, no, I remember, <laughs> I remember being called to a property in Burlington literally going to midnight mass on Christmas Eve. Oh, I had heels on, like I was dressed up. I had my kids with me and there was water pouring in from a roof because it was that one year, this was, God, it had to be, it was, like oh, an, I'm not even going to say how many storms? years ago it was. Because it was probably like 15 years ago. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, it was like everything thawed. 
and it was pouring into the electrical room at the property. Oh, jeez. And so I had no choice. I was literally in heels on the top of the building with, we had to replace, we had to, the tenants were all displaced. We had to put them in a community center. I'm not kidding. Like oh, I had to call to and make all these center. emergency calls. I was like, and I was so thankful that I had all of my trades lists already in place because I just called them all. I'm so sorry. You know we're gonna pay here. Like Th- this is why. Here. And this blah, 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 blah. is why we tell our, Nick and I always tell everyone network, the value yeah. of your network. So when it we is. have investors who shop around lawyers, mortgage, any professional. Well, services. you could shop around, but if it's fifty bucks and you're risking a relationship and taking someone off for a small thing, it's yeah. like, why are you shopping these people around? These are the professionals that yeah. you want relationships with, so they can answer yeah. your call. And every single one of them came. Yeah, good for you. Awesome. Yeah. That is the We've yeah. had some contractors tell us that they, they, they wouldn't they, come unless it well, was Well, that they also quote certain people certain amounts like a certain price for a job purposely not to get it because after right. working with them once or twice they don't even oh, want yeah, their I business. Hear that all the time. Yeah. So they just like, they're like, "Oh yeah, I quote this because we've had people say they're like, "Oh, we use that per- that, you know, did you know this person mm-hmm. their prices are this high?" And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, I'm like, well, I just used that guy last yeah. week and the mm-hmm. prices aren't that high. And he told me he's not so. booking for six months. Meanwhile, yeah. we got him in like in a week and the rate was great. Yeah. So. And it's, it. I mean, you want to be calling on them when it's not just emergencies too. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like they got like, yeah. they got a Christmas card. They mm-hmm. got like, you mm-hmm. know, you're on our list. You're, you're yeah. like. Somebody we know with, a, it was mm-hmm. actually a, some frozen water pipes on, I think it was like Christmas day was out at a property thawing out. Nick, you know, the, the, the contractor I'm talking about with like a blowtorch thawing out pipes for a tenant, like on Christmas day. And he only responded because of how much business goes his That's way. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you've built a relationship. Totally. With it's them, a relationship. Honestly. Yeah. So, um, okay. Another situation would be animals in the attic. That's the landlord's responsibility. <laughs> um, these are all current. It's going to be a Netflix special. Yeah. These are, cur- right? these are all current <laughs> examples. Animals We're on to like random questions now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Animals in the attic. That. How timely does a landlord need to respond? And I'm assuming that is a landlord problem. Oh, or is yeah. that Okay. That's a landlord yeah. problem. Mm-hmm. And then what is a reasonable t- amount of time for a landlord to react to that one yeah so um obviously they it's they want to be uh responding to it immediately because they could be chewing wires i mean it's actually i don't know if you've ever seen photos of stuff where it's gone on long where oh, oh god we have that, yeah, okay, oh, yeah crazy stuff it's nasty yeah. um 48 hours but okay. if that but if first it, call for sure for, and then like i've scheduled somebody they can come on let's like in two days or something like that so okay. they should be responding within a 48 hour 24 hour to 48 hour at max period but they should be having like things scheduled within a few days and you're thinking because of the wires because the the, the flip side to that is like well they're not really Nesting. impacting but if they're not really impacting the the home that the the the, the tenants are in it doesn't Im- impact their lives on a day-to-day basis or so anything. you're, you're yeah, asking like you could take well, a week I'm asking or something like, why can't they take a month like if they if they want now it'd be stupid you know because it'll just do more damage and nesting. But if there's a raccoon that's living in there for two days or for a month, it, is it affecting the reasonable enjoyment of the tenancy? Yeah, other than some noise, a yeah. little bit of noise here and there, does it really impact? Well, them? no, and I guess that the answer that's, is yes. It it's is. impacting it be. their reasonable enjoyment that's because right. of it the noise. Be. And yep. Like I know what you're saying. Like, really, is it a big deal that noise? But I yeah. guess their response would be, yeah, it's a big deal. But where do you draw the line then? Because what if it's mice? No, I get it. I'm just saying I'm just that one's a tougher sell to me from sure. the landlord side because I'm just like, well, if I want I'm my house to be destroyed by these animals, right. you know, then I can. But leave. if you so have a tenant says they can't sleep set up within yeah, yeah. that period of time, like it, it might take a month to rectify it because I think there a trapper has to come. They yeah. have to. Yeah, get they, in there, they put they in. Have to, like, they usually put the little door yeah. in and stuff. I mean, those guys usually come out within a few days. To be fair, if you're gonna right. call, if you're gonna call one of those guys to to, to put up the traps. I, it very rarely have we ever had to wait for some sort of rodent company for more than a, a full, maybe a week. But that brings up right? an interesting yeah. question is what is reasonable enjoyment? Because Nick's defining that in that scenario is like, really, there's a bit of noise. Like well, if you fine. hear, if you hear them running around once or twice a day, yeah, but someone really else impact could, your life? Could, could I respond? Could I respond saying, yeah, that's impacting my life. Like my daughter can't sleep because she's freaking out thinking something's going to fall through the ceiling. Can Nick then respond saying, well, no, it's say, well, yeah, I'll have someone there, but I'm going to do it next month because he's, yeah. I, but I, I get a 50% I, I think off I win. deal next month. I think I win because if it went to an adjudicator, yeah. the adjudicator is going to say, my re- is your reasonable enjoyment being uh, suffered or, you know, thwart- yep. thwarted? What word am I looking well, okay, for? Okay, so let's use this you as an example. You would be in the position where you would be defending yourself more so than yeah. he would if he's But then so what damages if like what even the 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 water situation or anything 
So let's say this stuff doesn't get resolved in the proper amount of time. So the water doesn't get resolved in a couple of days. It takes th- the guy's not responsive for three, four days, finally gets someone out a week later, gets resolved another w- week after that. So you're almost not quite a month, but you're yeah, two or three weeks. Well, now you can Because ab- now I can abate rent. No? Uh, well, that's a whole application process. They would have to prove it, but he might have legitimate reasons. Maybe he was out of the country. Okay, but no, let's say Maybe, you but know, let's say he doesn't have legitimate reasons. Let's oh, say he's okay. just a he's lazy, just, he's just a bad landlord. Why, what is, what is in this situation? What do you have to do to actually get any, to, cause that's the, the, the challenge here. There's no real repercussions. You can abate rent, but you got to go through this whole process, right? Um, so it's then, quite easy for them to call the rental housing enforcement unit. Oh, oh what's that? It's a arm of the government, um, that, uh, assists landlords and tenants when they're not fulfilling their obligations. They are um, provincial officers, so they have the ability to issue fines, provincial fines against oh, really? either Shit, parties. Really? So I've yeah. never heard of this. So what's it called? The Rental Housing Enforcement Unit. Come on, this yeah. is a real thing? Yeah, we talked about this. Really? Yeah, like six podcasts ago. Oh, <laughs> your memory, your memories, I don't remember yesterday. Yeah. So you're mad. I believe you. I totally believe you, but yeah. I've forgotten. I didn't know we had something like this. Yeah, the rental wow. housing enforcement unit. I've forgotten. And how? So I don't know how anyone long, who's used so it. So I. So so I. Let's call these guys up. What do they do? But hey. I, yeah. So I'm renting a house. So I'm renting a house. Um, the, there's water been coming in the basement in two days. The guys being a jerk, not not responding. Yep. No one's come out yet. Um, what if I call these guys? Like, so they'll come and take a look at it. No. So they take all your details. Yeah. And then they, if they. Uh, they'll want the landlord's contact information. Um, if you can provide everything, because it's you can't just call them with complaints. It's legit. It's like calling the police. Like they'll check out, check it out, but they want to to have like um, there's the qualifying questions. Yeah, and you don't call nine one one when you yeah. for a jaywalker. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah thanks. Um, because people sometimes take it too far. So I just want to be specific. So they take all the information and then they'll open a case. So you'll actually get a case file, and then they'll try to call the the landlord or the tenant, given whatever the situation is. In this case, it would be the landlord, and they'll say, "Hi, we received a call from your tenant. Um, when are you? You know what's happening here? What what's their expectation about when this is going to get looked after? And and they have the ability to um, hold the landlord to those things. Otherwise, they can open a whole investigation and they can mm. issue fines. Uh, under the Tenancy fines. Act of Ontario, this is covered? These would be for provincial fines. Huh. Provincial fines. Yeah. So well, this is beyond the Tenancy Act. Yeah. Wow. What, I, what? Oh, yeah. I've used them quite a bit. Oh, really? With, yep. With tenants who won't allow entry for landlords. I do oh. a combo. I do like going to the board because that takes forever to get your hearing for um, obstructing entry. But then I can also call the rental housing enforcement unit to say, hey, we've done this. Here's our proper 24-hour notice. The tenant's still denying entry. They'll call the tenant and say, do you understand that what you're doing is contrary to the act? And I have the ability to issue a fine. Let's get this happening here so that I don't have to come after you and charge you. That's interesting. We we had a situation on a property last year when nobody could get supplies for hot water tanks, we had a hot water tank go down on us. We know the property managers that are managing this property for us, Mm -hmm. let the tenants know that um, a new hot water tank was going to be installed. And I think the earliest date we could get was 48 hours, but it was communicated to them. They're not going to have hot water. I think we even offered to get a hotel room. It was a longer delay because I can throw one company under the bus. I won't name a name, but they, what they do is they don't, one, there's some companies that send someone to repair it right away. Yep. Then there's some companies that, that send someone out to inspect it. So it takes two days to get someone to come out and inspect it. They're like, yep, it's leaking. Like, well, thanks. I mean, we could have figured yeah. that out, you know, and then, so, then it so was then another it couple in, days. So after. then it turned into another couple days. And like then this. when it took another couple days, the installers that came yeah. brought the wrong size tank that didn't fit properly. Oh so then it became not another two days. It was like another four or five days because they were actually out of stock. It was in the middle of COVID. They didn't, whatever supply chain issues, they didn't have the proper tank. So it turned into, it went from like two days to like about 10 days. And we started offering hotel rooms to say, hey, we'll pay for hotel rooms to, you can go shower with hot water. But some of the tenants were, and there was a student rental house, they were getting a little bit upset. But because we were constantly communicating, I always felt like we were were covered because yeah, it was a horrible situation, but we were communicating that we were trying in our best efforts to action and here's what's coming back to us we ultimately ended up nick buying a hot water tank because the rental company that we were using just was dropping the ball so much that our property managers found another contractor who had a hot water tank 
that would fit and we just bought it. We're like, we'll just buy it and drop it in. Let's get this thing sold. That's a really valuable piece of information that you're sharing because as long as you keep the communication lines open, they know that you're not just sitting there not doing anything about it. In this circumstance, you were trying to do everything you could everything. and it was outside of your control. Um, and it does make a difference. And at some point... So points, if we went to the adjudicator there and they said, well, you know what? We want like half our rent back because we didn't have hot water. We could say, hey, listen, we were doing everything in our you know, and I guess if someone took us there for that, we probably would have given them half months rent back. What am I saying? Yeah, but just understand but, what the process yeah, is like. If we could defend ourselves and say we were communicating. To rent is pretty steep, guys. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, like okay. you would look at a smaller percentage. They would look at it for like maybe, it, did you say it was a whole 10 days? I think it was about 10 days in so the end. So that's Max, if yeah. you didn't do anything. And then they would look at it, well, okay, they were without water for 10 days. So let's do that on a, like, let's calculate that on a, a daily rate for that month or something. Got it, okay. So it so might work like, out to be like a really small percentage. Got it. But at the same time, you would be able to prove that you were trying to do everything you could and it was outside of your control. That's the same as a lot of maintenance things that were coming up during the lockdowns, right? Like freezers yeah. were going. Even now, he even now buy to buy anything. some appliances because we had to we need a new washer dryer for one of the properties and uh and just the delay in delivery you know to get one at a reasonable time we had to get some some ones that we didn't really even want yeah that's because right. i just felt bad yeah. at this point i felt bad i'm like yeah. i know we could wait and they would have to wait for it yeah but i'm like i just feel like that's not the right thing to do i feel like mm -hmm. maybe we just get a, a kind of a crappier unit mm -hmm. hope that it lasts longer and yeah. that way they have it you yeah, know, it quicker. that happened to me. My freezer went, my deep freeze in the basement, and it's full of like oh, all sorts of fun stuff and seafood and everything. And I was like, "What? Yeah, what? Lose I need, all this, all this. <laughs> need one immediately. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Panic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then um, I didn't realize we're already at the hour mark, so we're going okay. fast here. Uh, on communication, can you use text message screenshots as proof of communication to tenants and landlords? Will an adjudicator accept that, or is it always better to send like an email to their email address? Uh, it depends on what the nature of the message is. So if you're sending a text message by for like 24-hour notice to enter, that is not considered proper notice to enter. I okay. think we've, we've yeah, talked we have about covered this that. One. Okay. We should go through but email on that one. It, and um, I also noted that uh, there's that section on the Ontario Standard Lease Agreement where they should check off that they agree to communicate or serve certain notices via email because that's the way that you could serve the 24 hour notice by email, right? That to me seems like the most crucial part of the whole agreement, what you just shared. <laughs> Honestly, because even if there's no agreement, which some people still do. No agreement. Sorry, we don't have a lease. What do you mean? Yeah, no oh. lease agreement to start a lease. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, got it. Okay, but yeah. then I guess going back to our earlier conversation, yep. if money is exchanged and keys are exchanged, what that falls under the Tenancy Act. If there's a kitchen yeah, space taken possession. and they've yeah. taken possession of yep. some living quarters with a kitchen yep. and a sleeping area, keys are exchanged, money's exchanged, it's under the Tenancy Act. Yeah. Did you know that if if uh, a landlord shares uh, a rental space, so sometimes this is the scenario where a tenant lives in the basement and they have access to the kitchen and the bathroom upstairs, that it's exempt from the Residential Tenancies Act if the landlord lives in the same property. So how do you get the person out? Uh, it's a trespassing notice and you can do it every, it's not bound by the oh, really? um, sections of the act. Trespassing, how do you file a trespassing notice? Well, they're you living serve in them notice. with a notice if you want That's them. That's the Ontario Superior say, Court? No, well, so you would notify them that their tenancy has ended. It's not under the... Um, Tenancy Act. Yes, thank you. And then that they have this many days to vacate, and if wow. they don't, then it's a trespassing. No, wow. sleep with one eye open. Yeah, because <laughs> wow. you're sharing a kitchen and yeah. a bathroom. You gotta yeah, maybe know, hide your toothbrush. Thinking, well, yeah, who's doing that? But I guess you see those situations. I do sometimes. Wow. Yeah, because they call me and they're like, "How can I get rid of this tenant?" And then when you go through the details, well, it's like that's not actually covered under the Act. Wow. Yeah. Hey, what about you? So you mentioned um, some people don't have a lease, but then we talked about earlier about. The benefits, not the benefits, but sometimes it just gives you a little bit more flexibility if you don't renew a lease. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing, instead of signing a one-year lease at the beginning, does, is there an argument to be made to sign a four-month or yeah, six-month six lease, lease and then just let yeah. it go month to month after that? You it's could even really just no different. start a month-to-month -month tenancy. It doesn't matter. But I feel like is, is that an tenants want a year. Yeah, because they want some certainty. And that's pretty standard. Yeah, and yeah. that's kind of what the norm is. That's fair. 
Um, so, I mean, unless you're going to, th- I feel like they would want to, they would wonder why you want Yeah, from a marketing perspective to the tenants, yeah. they would, they would wonder that. But hold on, on the, on the, the landlord, the standard Ontario lease, there's, I guess you could just put whatever term you want. It, it, there is no month to month option. You just, you would just put a no, month to month term. Does, does it? Yeah, yeah I was trying to remember. Sure I, forget. Okay. Yeah, I just yeah, filled I one out. I think it's something you write in there. Yeah. Okay. I think it is a box for fixed term tenancies. And then it also says. Yeah. You know what? You're right. Yeah. yeah you're right. Now I'm thinking. Got I it. haven't looked at one in a while. Okay. But yeah. And don't sign leases like someone on our team did when they filled one of our properties for us. Remember? And they put in the in the margins, yeah. we'll paint the entire house and do all the major renovations. And we're like, what? What does even <laughs> what that mean? What, what did we have to renovate this whole house for these? <laughs> and they That's signed. A little, um, yeah, that was a bit, a bit too aggressive. Yeah, yeah, a bit too general and aggressive. <laughs> but uh, so Kelly, if someone wants to reach out, so thank you for all of this. We could yes, keep no going problem. for another hour, yeah. easy. But if someone wants to reach out to you and engage with you, what's the process? How does that look? Yeah. So same phone number. Um, my email address is the same right now, but um, it, it's all going to be easily transitioned to, and I'll just be forwarding them. So. So everyone will be able to get my email address, but it's Kelly at khparalegal.com uh, for now and 905-466-3542. Um, when I post my new website, I'll let you guys know. And yeah, we'll share it around. Yeah. So for now, still really k- khparalegal.com. Yeah. And we're excited for you. It's Kelly. I mean, yeah, that's the website. Yeah, khparalegal.com. Yeah, and we're, we're, we're pumped for you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. The other thing is, is that uh, he's also bilingual, so he speaks um, Spanish, so we're also assisting. Awesome. Awesome. with a lot yeah. Nice, yeah and he does um notary i i do notary as well but i find i i yeah that's something that what's he does notary if you need documents notarized like uh if you're i don't know passport documents things oh, like that it. it's I kind of like it's, there's like certain that. documents so we're both notary publics um it's just above a commissioner Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're commissioners. I just heard well that we can get Kelly stuff. to sign stuff. That's yeah. what I understood from yeah. that. Great. This is perfect. <laughs> hey, Kelly, can you sign these documents yeah. for us? Yeah. Um, yeah so. Thank you so much. Yeah, really appreciate this. Yeah. And th- I just have to say something else. You've helped so many rock star investors. Thank you. You continue to teach the class here. That's always a popular class and going to the deep dive about it. this stuff. So thank you for everything. I mean, you're serving a lot of small landlords in a big way. Thank so you. thank you, Kelly. Yeah. We're, thanks very much, guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. Hey everyone, so hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Kelly. Her website right now is khparalegal.com. That's khparalegal.com. If you're listening to this at some point in the future, this was recorded in 2022, her website is going to change. You'll have to Google Kelly Hawks up to get her latest website, but right now it is khparalegal.com. And if you're listening to this, and you wanna join a group of real estate investors who are taking action and supporting each other along the way, you can check out rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member for all the details. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member to find out all the details of what you get when you are a Rockstar Inner Circle member. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.